the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. All right. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ up here in Cave Creek, Arizona. It is a cool morning, but it's supposed to warm up today. I think I saw it's supposed to be around 80 degrees. Wow. But it it has been a cooler, and uh, I've got my my little jacket on in my office. I try not to turn the heater on if I can help it. But I want to share a few details with you before we get to Acts chapter 5 today. Acts chapter 5. Uh, We're going to be updating our website for the North Valley Congregation here very soon. Normally, I tell you uh, to to find us, you got to go to the the website, www.nvcoc.net. Scroll down until you see the radio mic, and you you click that radio mic. Well, things are going to change a little bit. Uh, I might still have the radio mic there there on the front page. I probably should. I'll have that uh, a way for us to find ways to get in there. But it's going to be a better website. It's going to have more information, things better organized together, I hope. And I do like, I hope you will like it. I'm thinking I'll be making that website live this week. So be on the lookout for that. And with that, we start in a chapter five. Now, for anybody who's new here, I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. And we're looking at the book of Acts with an idea of wanting to understand how the New Testament church operated, was developed, grew in its purpose. We see it as a more of a litmus test for are we doing things the way God wants us to? Do we look just like the church that was developed in the New Testament the way God intended it to be? And it should any who espouse that, well, that was a different culture, and we do it differently now, they don't have biblical authority to make those changes. Only God does, and he gave the apostles the information they needed, and they gave it to us, because the Holy Spirit put it in their minds, and they wrote it down for you and I to know these things. So if you go outside of the Bible to change or do things for worship, that's not God's way, that is God's way. And so we're going to see the first case of church discipline here in verses 1 through 11. Now, a little um, uh, back, or backing up a little bit to find out what's going on to keep things in context. In chapter 4, we see where uh, in verses 32 and following, the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, 
The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite, a cipher in birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostle, which is translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And that's where we have the chapter break for chapter 5. But it keeps going. Verse 1. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. So that, that word but there, that's the uh, Greek word day. So what he's saying is there's a, here's a contrast to what Barnabas did. Now Barnabas sold the tract of land, sold it. Uh, owned a tract of land, sold it, brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man in Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, when we read this, our first thoughts are, so what? Right? Uh, because he, it's his property. And he can do with it whatever he wants. And that is true. It is not a sin what he did. It was not a sin that he sold a piece of property. It was not a sin that he decided, you know what, I want to keep part of that money for myself. I'm going to give the other part of that money to the church or lay it at the apostles' feet. That is not the sin. The sin is what what he did uh, uh, on purpose in his mind. Peter tells him, and we're, we're going to go back and go through uh, this a little bit closer, but let, let's make sure we understand the, the actual sin here. Verse 3, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain, in you, remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart. You have not lied to men, but to God. All right, now let's go back. So we have to do a little speculation here, and I think there's pretty good evidence for the speculation, and that is understanding his motivation and his wife. <clears throat> Maybe they were thinking, looking back at uh, Barnabas, and this is, I don't think is a stretch, because you got that but a man named Ananias. So they're wanting to do the same thing Barnabas did. And I think they were wanting the same accolades that Barnabas received. Barnabas even got, uh, his name was Joseph, but he got renamed by the apostles, son of encouragement. Maybe he's thinking as he's bringing the money over here to the church and laid at the apostles' feet, wonder what kind of name they're going to give me. Ananias the pious. Ananias the gracious. I don't know. But whatever it is, greed was part of it also. There was no problem. I would have had no problem. No one would have had a problem with him holding back, coming to the apostles saying, here, we, we sold a piece of land. Here's part of the money. We're keeping part of it for ourselves. But we want to give this part to the church. There would have been no problem with that. But he laid it out there as if it was the whole thing. And he, in his mind, he was lying to Peter. In his mind, he's just lying to the church. But it was no big deal. He just wanted to get the you know, pat on the back. But he lied to the Holy Spirit. And I'll have a little excursus on that here in just a moment. See, that's the sin. 
He was doing this for greed and accolades. He wanted to uh, uh, receive something, and he thought, ah, no one's going to know. What's the big deal, right? What's the big deal? No one's going to know. I'm going to keep this, but I'm going to make it look like we're giving just as much as everyone else. But that was not true. He lied. He lied. And how big of a deal is that? Well, Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? We see that word filled, like, you know, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we saw that in the previous chapter. Well, here it's not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's filled with Satan. Not that Satan took control of him, but Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He was a liar from the very beginning. And that same attitude is being found in Ananias. He is a liar too. He's lying. I cannot believe that he and Sapphira, his wife, would conspire to do such a horrible act. Why did they think they were going to get away with this? So imagine Ananias, he's going there, and for some reason his wife stays behind. We don't know why. And so he goes. He's got this thing. Maybe he had a speech in line that he was going to say and bring it and say, uh, I've, I've owned a tract the land, and I sold it. And then he pours the money out, and here's the money. I can almost see him looking around, expecting the same accolades that Barnabas and others received. He's about ready to get his. But man, what a shocker when he hears the word of Peter. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? And then he makes it clear. There was nothing wrong with what you did, Ananias. You know, It was yours. It was unsold. It was in your control, wasn't it? After you sold it, it was under your control, right? You could have done with that whatever you wanted to do. But why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You haven't lied to me. You didn't lie to the church. You lied to God. And as he heard these words, verse 5, And Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. Now, I want to talk about that verse, verse 5, him dying here in just a moment. But first, a little excursus. A little excursus. Let's, let's go back a little bit and look at Holy Spirit and God. Holy Spirit from verse 3, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then verse 4, you have not lied to men, but to God. Now, uh, the New American Standard has the term Holy Spirit capitalized in verse 3. Generally, that means that translators believe that be uh, the third person of the Godhead. Uh, it's the way we phrase that, the third person of the Godhead. But we never see that phrase used in the Bible, third person of the Godhead. We never see that. That's a man-made phrase. Here's why I think that's important. Now, before I tell you that part, whatever you think on this, it's okay. What I'm about ready to tell you is not a salvation issue. I'm going to give you Chris Macy's opinion on this, okay? So... Well, let me do this. Before I do that, let me tell you what mo how most people, and probably you do as well, how most people see this. They see the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Godhead, and that's okay. And then they see God as you know the other person. Usually they see that as the Father. Well, if you see just God, that's the Father. And then Jesus is another person. So you have these three distinct persons personalities or persons, how people may say that, but they see them as separate. They're one in mind, but they're separate three individuals. Uh, I don't see it that way. I believe there's one God who manifests himself as the Father 
and as the Son in order to help us understand what he's doing. I don't see him manifesting himself as the Holy Spirit. I don't see it as a separate person either. The Holy Spirit is God. It is the mind and heart of God. Or at times, depending on context, it is the power of God that has gone forth. Uh, people disagree with me on this, and that's okay. That's all right. We, we still come to the same conclusion at the end. We just disagree how that con- we get to that conclusion, but that's another study. But even here, the reason why I point this out, even here, the Jews understood Holy Spirit to be God. They didn't, uh, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. You have not lied to men, but to God. They see that as God. They don't have a differing opinion on what's what on that. It's one. It's God. Okay? Something to think about and chew on. That's all I'm asking you to do. Now, that's the excursus. Let's come back. So, verse 5. Some commentators out there don't like that after uh, these words of Peter, Ananias dies. Because they think, oh man, that sounds like Peter killed him, or maybe God killed him over this. But that just seems rather extreme. And so they want to say that from the words that he said, and the shock of being caught in such a way, the guy had a heart attack, fell over dead. And then when Sapphira comes in, same thing. After she heard in the stress of the situation, she had a heart attack. It just happened to be that way. No, it's pretty clear. Luke is making it very clear to us what's happening here. He died because he lied to God. It's a serious business. The church is in its infancy. You cannot have people coming in, acting like that, thinking they they can pull the, the sheet over God's eyes as if he's not going to see. Do not be deceived, Paul says in the book of Galatians. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You can't pull a fast one over on him. He knows. Ananias went in there thinking he could, you know, act one way and be another way and 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 try to get the best of both worlds, but he was lying. And he, God is showing the people, I know. I know what you're thinking. I know your heart. I'm not going to have this in my kingdom. You can't do this. Are you hiding a sin? Are you pretending to play the Christian while you go out and play the harlot out there with the world throughout the week? You can't do that. God will not accept that. We need to keep that in mind. So he falls and he dies in verse 5. Verse 6. The young men got up and covered him up. And after carrying him out, they buried him. He's a dead dead man. So they're going to bury him and then also cleanse themselves. Now, verse 7. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours... And his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Now, that is amazing. Did not know what was happening. That is that is kind of amazing to me because you would think somebody would have come, would have came and told her, and uh, Sapphira, your husband came to give money to the church, and apparently he lied about something, and he died. He's dead. Your husband died. You, you, I mean, that right? But no one told her. So that, that tells me, and again, this is speculation on my part, that tells me that maybe maybe Peter gave a moratorium. Don't tell Sapphira what happened. You guys keep this here. Now, why? We don't know. My guess would be that he wants to give Sapphira an opportunity to repent. I don't think he's trying to set her up for failure. 
He wants to give her the chance to repent, to do the right thing. So for whatever reason, she had stayed behind, and Ananias went ahead of her. But after about three hours, you, she was probably wondering, what's going on? Maybe the celebrations over his gift was still happening, but it's been a while. I'm going to go check on him, see what's going on. So here she comes. Wherever they're at, she comes, doesn't know what happened. She enters in, and here's what Peter says. Tell me. Right, this is verse 8. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Oh, not true. Now, <clears throat> she walks in. No celebrations are happening. Hasn't seen Ananias. I doubt she is getting you know, looks of happiness and smiles from folks. So she has to know something's going on. And then the words of Peter. Did you sell the, the, the land for this price? I mean, any reasonable, semi-intelligent person knows. He knows. He knows. But she holds it like, why would she hold to the lie? It's clear and obvious they know. She thinks she can get out of it. It's pride. She doesn't want to say she says. So maybe she's trying to think of some way of how she might be able to get out of this. So she's going to continue the lie. She's not thinking. She thinks she can get away with it, I guess. I don't know. Yes, that's the price, she said, verse 8. So verse 9, then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. Oh, man. So, she's going to, as verse 10 tells us, immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. So, she did the same thing. He gave her the chance, though, and Remember that in chapter 4, let me scroll back up here on my text, it says uh, in the current verse 32, and the congregation, that's going to be not the church, but that is the congregation. It is going to be the church, but it just uses the term for congregation. And the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul. They were unified. They were unified. But here you got another couple who are unified in a different way separate and apart from the congregation, from the church, the ecclesia, those who were called out. In fact, I think I missed that. Oh, it is here. It's on verse verse 11. And great fear came over the whole church and all, over all who heard of these things. There, that's the first time the word church is found here. If you're using the King James, you find it over in chapter 1, but it, here is actually where it's used, ecclesia, the Greek word. Those who are called out, the assembly of the people. And so you have the, the congregation, they're unified in chapter 4, and then right off the bat, chapter 5, Satan doesn't want that to happen. He wants to divide them. So he creates a separate unity between Ananias and Sapphira. They agreed together. They were unified in their reasoning because of what they wanted rather than what God wanted, which would be the right thing, right? That's right. That's what's going on here. And so... As a result, since they separated themselves from the church, from God, he separated himself from them and made a point of them to show the church in its infancy, 
You cannot do this. It's just like that guy, after the law was read uh, by Moses, that you cannot work on the, the Sabbath day. It was to be a day of rest. And then, what does he do? He goes out and collects sticks. No big deal, right? Even the people grabbing, they bring them to Moses, and Moses says, well, let's bring them to God, because are we really supposed to put this guy to death for picking up sticks? And God said, yeah. Yeah, and that does seem rather extreme, but he did that knowing what God just said. He's he's turning a blind eye to the word of God. And it's very infancy. With any child, you punish the child for those things. You punish the child. And because you want them to grow up properly. And I'm not talking about each individual person. You're looking at it as the group. Now the group knows. God sees. God knows the heart. You cannot go around doing these things and claim to be a Christian. The church will not grow. It will not mature if you're going around acting like this and being divided like this. So great fear came over the whole church. A great respect and fear God, knowing that there is punishment for those who disobey. You better keep on keeping on for the Lord as you claimed you would do at baptism. And that that seems... It seems harsh, but it is the truth. And that's the way we need to continue to be today. If if you're going to make the claim to be a Christian, if you're going to tell God, God, I am going to to be a Christian, I'm going to do things your way, I'm going to die to self and live for you, then we better do it, right? We better do it. But so many, they think, well, I want the benefits of the family, but I don't want to be part of it. Of the family. In fact, I, I had a fella. I, I actually, I just had. I always get folks up here where they want the benefits of the family. That is, they want us to give them cash or food or gas or all the time. They're just coming by. Oh, I'm on my way to Vegas, or I'm on my way to here, and I'm out of gas. I need this. I need that. No problem. I tell them. But first, come, come to the service. You stay for service. You and your family. And afterward, our elders will sit down and talk with you. Well, you know, I really kind of need it right now. It's like, well, I understand that. But if you want to have these things, and I understand that you need them, you're going to need to come to services and then talk with us afterward. And I even had one guy say, why are you putting a condition on this? That's not very Christian of you. Wait a minute. You want me to just blindly give this to you? That's not what the Bible tells me to do. These things are to be used for the church. If you really are part of the church, then you will be part of the church. They want all the benefits of the family without being part of the family. It does not work like that. And we need to stop doing these sort of things. I'm not saying that we should not be helping folks. I think individually we all make that choice ourselves. But as far as the church fund goes, that goes to the church. I don't see them using that money for those outside the church. I think it's okay to you know support orphans and widows and missionaries. Yes, but you know you be careful with that. Even even Paul. Tells Timothy a, a full list. Here's why you do it. Don't you waste money. If they have family, the family needs to take care of that widow. And so on and so forth. Don't waste the money, the things of the Lord. 
Don't think we can lie and get away with it. There's so many things that we could talk about concerning this particular passage about how we view the church and how we view ourselves and the world. We need to make sure we are separate and apart from this world. We treat family like family, real family. And I'm talking about here is the family of God. We became part of that. Who are my brothers? Where are my sisters and my mothers and my father? Here they are in the church. And I treat them higher than anyone else because we are the true family of God. And that is far better than, as people put it today, blood relationship. And that may be... Maybe that rubs some people the wrong way. I know it does in my family. They don't like that I put things of the church above them at times, but I always will. Because this is not a job for me. This is not something I do for money. Although I get paid, I do this because this is the will of God. This is what the Bible says. And you have to show me in the Bible where I'm wrong. If you think I am, and I am more than willing, everyone knows, I am willing to change my mind if you give me a simple discussion, show me in the Bible, and say, here's what I think this passage says, and I'll read it, I'll restudy it, I'll take a look, I'll maybe give you a rebuttal to my arguments, and we can have a good discussion. But if you think I'm wrong, don't just say you're wrong and leave. That doesn't help me at all. Help me find the truth. You can let me know. In fact, I would encourage you to email me. I want to use the, the church office's email from now on. Office, O-F-F-I-C-E, office at N-V-C-O-C dot net. The new website is going to have a contact page where you can even go there to our website, www.nvcoc.net. Send me an email. Let me know your thoughts. I really want to know. I am not going to disparage you. I won't. If you don't want me to, I won't say your name on here unless you, you want it to be. And if I did, I'd only use your first name. I wouldn't you know, give your whole information so everybody knows. And I wouldn't disparage you. But I may bring up your what you say, and I'll look at the Bible and say, well, here's what I see, and here, and I'll show the, the fallacies maybe of the argument or maybe the strength of the argument, saying, hey, this guy gave me something to think about. It's we're all part of the same family, right? Or at least we're all striving to know the truth, at least I hope so. That's why we're here. So let's get together. Let's know what God's will is, and let's... Keep on keeping on for the Lord. Let us redeem the time, right? That's the name of the program. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. And man, don't we live in a time where people need to know the truth. They need that light. And we have it. Are we shining that light uh, forth for all to see? So that they can have an opportunity to see who they really are before God. To see that there is a God. And that a change needs to happen from the inside out. That's a difficult choice, and it always gets harder and harder the deeper and deeper somebody gets in sin. But you and I have that truth. Let us spread it out to all who are willing to hear. Thank you for being here. I'll see you next week. God bless. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Be sure to check out the podcast for this program on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. To find it, just go to the website and click on the podcast link at the top of the page. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.